Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. If you don't mind, I'm going to read. It'll take me about two minutes to read through to give you the full story, the full context, and after that, I'll invite you to sit down, so bear with me. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and it says this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, everybody say wise men, wise men from the east, now where they were from is important, wise men from the east, which would be more than likely a pagan part of the region, they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been king, excuse me, been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. I'm going to jump down to verse nine. And it says, when they heard the king, Herod, when they went to Herod, they departed and behold the star, this is supernatural, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, I don't know why they call it a house, it was more like a barn or stable. When they came into the house, they saw the young child, Jesus, with his mother, Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. And they had opened their treasures and they presented these gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 2. That story that I just read uh, was regarding the, the wise men or the magi. This particular portion of scripture surrounds the visitation of the angel with the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, I'll read this. It's going to be verses 1 through 16. And it says, Now it came to pass in the days that there was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus into all the world that they should be registered. And then this census first took place while Quirinius was governing over Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room. Everybody say there was no room. Look at somebody and say, make room. Look at somebody else and say, scoot over. No, don't scoot over. There's no seat. No, the seat's next to you. So don't, don't, don't say that. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field which kept watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign to you 
you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I'm going to do my best to communicate this word. If I can be quite honest with you, I was up very early this morning struggling with these verses because there's so much that can be said in them. So much was happening there. And I'm not necessarily bringing this portion of scripture because it surrounds the birth of Christ, but I believe it is prophetic. Prophetic means, I believe that um, it's applicable to where we are in our relationship with Jesus. And I honestly had to trust the breadcrumbs that God was, I felt God was dropping in front of me. You know, I kind of, how I build my framework with a sermon, there is, there's not an art to it, but everybody has their own different methodologies. Some can take one verse and just preach and have no notes. Me, uh, I oftentimes take notes because throughout the week, God will put things in my heart and I will jot it down. And as I reread them, it's like I'll feel the anointing all over again. But, but the Lord really um, was waiting to the last minute to drop this and so I pray, I pray, I pray that it, it, it's communicated to you in the way that the Lord has put it in my heart as I don't have all the words articulated. So I need the help of the Holy Spirit to um, communicate it to you adequately. Amen. So you, you would think that the longer that you walk with the Lord, you would, um, you would figure him out. You know? That makes sense, right? The longer you're with a, a spouse or the longer you know a friend, you figure them out, right? And oftentimes, you, the longer you know someone, you start figuring out things that you don't like about them instead of things that you do. Hopefully, you find the fine balance and find and honor those things that are good about them while at the same time not uh, sending them to heaven early because of those things that you don't like. Somebody say Amen. Those who've been married for over 20 years say amen. So you'd think that you would have the Lord figured out by now. I was thinking about this earlier this morning that uh, I've been walking with the Lord now about just over just over 20 years. Um, I just turned uh, 30-something. And uh, that's not really true the longer you walk with the Lord because he's so vast. He's so... Um, big. There's so much to him. There's so much depth to him. You can walk with him for a lifetime and only scratch the surface of him. He's deeper than the deepest ocean. He's higher than the sky, which has no limitations. He's, he's big. There's a lot of depth to him. And those times and seasons that I go through where I get to know a piece of himself, I, I wonder, you know, is there anything else to learn? 
and there's just so much more. You start figuring out that you're never as far as you think you are. As a believer, you're never as far as you think you are. Say, say, say that to somebody. You're never as far as you think you are. And I, and I think that in some ways you do. And as a, my calling is to teach the Word of God. That's the calling that's on my life. So I do have to have a handle on Scripture to some degree if I'm going to tell you guys about the Lord, if I'm going to bring you closer in your relationship with Him, I have to have some kind of handle on the Word of God and, and have some kind of context for Him and experience with Him. But again, the more that I'm learning about Him, the more I'm figuring out that I don't know about Him. And David, this is scriptural because King David says, I want to know you, Lord, but I don't know you. And the more that I get to know you, the more I find out I don't know much about you at all. God has so designed himself, if I could say that, because nobody designed God, nobody made God, nobody came up with him. He's self-sufficient. He's, he made himself. We don't understand that. Maybe he'll explain that to us uh, when we get to heaven one day, but he's, he's self-sufficient. Say he's self-sufficient. So, so as a believer, as a uh, minister, I have to be able to communicate him to you to bring you closer to him. But, but I've been struggling with these two particular scriptures all morning. Don't get sleepy on me. I hope you had your coffee. I'm going to get somewhere. Just give me a moment. I'm just outlining. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting the, 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 the shrimp on the hook. and you know, I'm confused by this scripture. Most of us read over this text and we don't think twice about it. We think... This is surrounding the birth of Jesus. This is the famous Christmas story. Some of you, when you hear me reading it, you go back to your childhood memories from the 80s of Charlie Brown. And, you know, after reading that story and in your mind, like maybe mine, it says, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You guys have never heard the Charlie Brown story. He read that particular verse. And this has been bothering me all morning and, and, and actually all week who God chose to reveal himself to. I start thinking that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, which means the house of bread. And he goes and he chooses in the gospel of Matthew. He chooses not kings. They're not kings. They're magi. They're astrologers. Astrology is not of the Lord He's choosing somebody that's not likely to be chosen. It's not like God had to go knock, you know, go on the other side of the world to find men and women of God. The, the synagogues were right down the road. Ascension was right down the road. No, it didn't exist then. You get what I'm saying. I don't know. Uh, it was the Missionary Baptist Church right down the road. Mount Zion. The Greek Orthodox Church. I don't know. Whatever. There were churches down the road. The religious. He was in the hotbed of religious society. There was believers everywhere. And God goes 400 miles east and locates some wise men or magi to reveal to them the birth of Jesus. Remember, they said, we came to worship him. We've seen his star. We're expecting him. And then we fast forward on the opposite side of the spectrum. We've got shepherds. We've got angels. 
showing up to shepherds. Shepherds, completely different than the Magi. These Magi obviously had money. Look what they gave Jesus. They bore uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were clearly wealthy. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have a few. The Bible doesn't uh, communicate how many there were on either side. Many people uh, think that there was only three Magi. We don't know that. That just says the gifts that they were. It didn't say there were three Magi. So we don't know how many shepherds. We don't know how many Magi. But then these shepherds, poor men on the backside of a hill somewhere taking care of sheep. Yet Jesus sees it fit. God himself sees it fit to call these guys to be at the birthplace of himself. And this is the question that I've been reeling over all week long. And this text should make us a whole lot more happier than just giving us some nostalgia around the Christmas story. God is saying something through these particular texts. I started thinking, why would you choose these men? You choose rich men and then you choose poor men on both sides of the spectrum. Maybe it's because God doesn't want anybody to have an excuse on not pursuing him. Rich, poor, no matter your credentials, your background, maybe it's that. But, but maybe there's something, there's deeper meanings. I, I, I feel that God is, is saying in this. Would you like to hear a few of those things? Yes. I started paying attention to who God reveals himself. Now, this, this is very applicable to our personal lives because it's not like Jesus is being born in a manger all over again this coming Christmas. But there is something to be said about who he reveals his presence because he's, he's basically born all over again. Jesus is being born all over again each and every day. How, you know how I know that? Mercy and grace is new every morning. Every morning. And he, he wants to reveal himself to us each and every day. But, but let's be honest. And if many of you were being honest with me this morning, and if I'm being honest with you, I don't sense his presence every day. I don't see him in the way that he wants to reveal himself to me every single day. But you know what I believe that was the case with the Magi and with these shepherds? That, that our level of sacrifice in pursuing him determines our proximity to him every day. You would get really happy if you, if, if, should I say that again? This is why most people don't get excited because God many times only reveals himself or gives you proximity based on the level of sacrifice that you're making in your life. No, I know that's not very exciting because it requires prayer on our behalf. It requires something from us. Why wouldn't he have chose the religious leaders? Why the shepherds? Why the, why the magi? Maybe it's because the religious leaders wanted more of notoriety and more of their religion versus Jesus. And I want to challenge everybody this morning to step up in our pursuit of him, even this holiday season. Remember I mentioned just earlier, there, there, is, no, there is no time for a space between us and him. There's no time. You can, you can turn on your television and it doesn't take five minutes to figure out we don't have much, we don't have much time. There's no time for distance in our relationship with Jesus. I, I want to read this verse about this, the, the, because we know that, that, that the Magi made great sacrifice. It was a great sacrifice. I don't have time to go into it because I just want to lay the, the framework down. 
Hallelujah. That's a good preacher. Who was that? Because we get that the Magi, they were giving great sacrifice, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're, we see in the scripture they had to travel at least, if you, if you do the math, it's about 400 miles away. That's a, that's a long way. That's a sacrifice. Not only that, but the wealthy value their possessions. If you have a little bit of something, you understand what I'm saying. Like we get a little, if somebody asks you to borrow money and, you know, you have a little something or a nice car. You know, I just, uh, I had to, my truck motor blew up and, uh, you know, I have friends. Oh, that's a really nice truck, isn't it? Yeah, and I just you know, hit lock on the door, you know, they want to get it and then, you know, drive it, you know. But, but they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, to us, it's no big deal because we, we, we can Google Young Living and just order frankincense and myrrh. But actually, much of that was extracted from the Himalayas. They had to go through deep sacrifice, great sacrifice to get. Just, they're laughing because they sell Young Living. Yeah, it wasn't just order on Amazon or order through there. They had to go to the Himalaya mountains and sacrifice their time and, and risk their lives in order to get this, to bring it to Jesus. So you have to understand the implications. The reason why God allows these people proximity to him. God loves everybody. He doesn't give proximity to everybody though. He loves everyone. Look at someone and say, he loves you but he doesn't give proximity to everybody. He made a way for everybody. I'm not talking about the cross. All who will come can come to the cross. God wills that every man and woman be saved, but he doesn't allow proximity, meaning presence, to everybody. Did you sense that in the room this morning? Tell me if you sense that, that tangible. He doesn't give it to everyone, but the more we sacrifice, did you know we were in the green room and we were all hitting a ceiling? But when you, the more you sacrifice, the more he comes. See, as I continue to teach this, you're going to, get to, you're going to get it. Because the more you decide to give to him out of a place of sacrifice, the more it draws the presence of Jesus in your life. Many Christians, when they come up to me and say, Pastor or Donnie, or they're my friends, they say, man, I'm just not feeling the presence of the Lord in my life. I start asking questions. And it's not about doing, because it's not, it's not about doing. It's, it's, it's about being it's about living a life of pursuit of Christ. How many are married in this room or have been married in the past? This even applies to the married couple since there's so many singles in here. I'm trying to grab, you know, something for the singles. But I know I've got a friend of mine who's been pursuing me lately. Who's like, I want to hang out. I want to do this. And thank God he understands my schedule. We've been friends for many, many years. But, but... But pursuit has to be on both sides. And if you stop pursuing your wife, what happens when we start pursuing all the married men? You understand exactly what I'm saying. There are no benefits in the relationship. As a matter of fact, the wife begins to withdraw when there's no pursuit on your behalf. This is how the presence of the Lord begins to work in the believers of lives. If there is no pursuit, no active pursuit of Jesus, he begins to not leave you. He never leaves nor forsake, but his presence will move. And it goes to a company of people who see value in it, who value 
him. And that's the case with these shepherds and with these wise men. They seen value in Jesus, so God allowed them proximity. Now look at the shepherds. I'm going to get somewhere. Just give me a moment. It says this uh, in the last few verses that we read in, in Luke. I'm going to read it out loud. You don't have to go there. It says, so it was that while they were there, meaning the shepherds, that the days of Mary were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, we all know that, and laid him in a manger. Because, watch this, this is not a run-on verse, but it's kind of like a run-on verse. Does everybody know what a run-on verse is? You have to catch this because it's so subtle. It says, because there was no room for him in the end. Watch this. Now there, so there was no Room for them in the end. Now, there was in the same country shepherds living in the field. Doesn't, doesn't make sense yet, right? Watch this. There was no room for Jesus in the end. And the next verse immediately says, but there were shepherds living in the field. So there's no room in a city for Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And immediately the next verse is, but there were shepherds in the field. What, what do shepherds take care of? sheep. What's a baby sheep? A lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. So he automatically, as soon as he didn't have any room, automatically God set something in motion. Go get the shepherds because they honor sheep. They honor lambs. Go find somebody who will make room for me. Did, did you get the revelation? And in this hour that we're living in right now, God is seeking such to worship him. He's looking for people to pursue him. He's not looking for your bumper sticker. As much as you like it, as much as I like it. I love the cross. I even have a, you know, an anchor. God is not looking for that. He's looking for a company of people to host his presence and to honor him and to love him and to want more than just blessings from his hands, to want him more than what he offers. I wish I could get four amens. I want to I minister from this message entitled, I'll be really quick, I promise this morning. It's called Give Him Your Best. Everybody say, give him your best. All throughout scripture, you see this. You see the same, the same theme, both in the Old and the New Testament. Look at Saul and David. Saul was the first king. He at first loved God. Then he began to love what God gave him. And then God left him and started looking for a man who would honor him, who loved him for who he was. Hence, David was coined the man, the man after my own. David didn't care about kingship. He didn't care about his crown. He didn't care about his career. God gave him that great, great career because he honored his presence. He loved him. He was after a man after his own heart. But many times we replace Christ with a career or the main reason we're uh, going after Christ is because we know he's the only one who can bless our career. But if you'll go after the Christ, the Messiah, just because of who he is, he'll give you the career. God doesn't mind giving you anything as long as he can trust you and as long as you love him more than anything. So the presence of the Lord leaves Saul and rests upon David. Why? Because David was a pursuer of his presence. C-E-S. Did I get that right? 
not T-S. His presence. It was the same thing in the New Testament. Look, some of you are trying to figure out which one it was. It was the same thing in the New Testament with the young rich ruler and Peter. Look at Peter. Peter had no credentials. He didn't have a PhD. He didn't have a GED. He was a fisherman. And yet this young rich ruler comes to Jesus bowing down seemingly, and the Bible says, and worshiped him until Jesus said, this is what it requires to follow me. And as soon as Jesus says, sell everything that you have, in other words, Jesus began to touch what he admired, what he wanted more, what he admonished more. And you know what I found out about God in the short time that I've been alive? He only asks of you what you want more than him. He never asks for what's convenient. If you love money, he will ask you for your money. If relationships are more important to you, it's not that he wants that relationship. He wants you. He wants your heart. He doesn't ask you to put certain things away because God needs something. He doesn't need anything. There's one need that God has. There's one thing he can't do, and there's one need that God has. Are you ready? I told you earlier, the only thing that God cannot do is lie or fail. And he needs one thing, your heart. He just needs one thing, your heart. On the other hand, Peter is ready. Do you see the context? Do you see the the polar opposites? Peter, the only thing Peter had was fishing. And the Bible says that he left his nets. He left everything behind all to gain Christ. Apostle Paul said that same thing. I count it all as dung. I I count it all as loss that I might gain Christ. Look at how God bypassed all these religious leaders in the New Testament that were at the church, bypassed all of these religious leaders to pick some oddball groups, shepherds and magi, all to pursue his presence, not just to keep people guessing about his methodologies. It's not God, God's not wanting to keep us on our toes. Oh, look at who God chooses. No, it was not that at all. It wasn't to prove something. It was, it was a statement that those who seek me diligently will find me. Are you seeking the Lord in your life? actively. I was thinking about this morning, not to shame anyone. I am guilty of this and I am failing and have failed in this area. As much time as I spend with the Lord, I wonder if our record, our phones would record how much we spend time on Facebook, social media. For some of you older people who don't like social media, maybe it's Fox or uh, I don't know, what are some other news networks? Whatever other news networks, MSNBC, CNN. If we could compare the two, how much you spend your time with the Lord and pursuing him versus your leisure time and then comes Sunday morning, I don't have time or I'm tired. I just, I start looking at that and I I wonder why the church, not this church, I'm talking about globally, globally. I start wondering why, but the more I ponder on it, I stop wondering why the church is growing ever more powerless and ever more cold and apathetic in its pursuits of Jesus. All the while, his arms are stretched wide. And you know what? I asked my question, myself this question this morning. Has anything that I have ever pursued brought true satisfaction in my heart other than Jesus? We make relationships our pursuit. Let me ask you, in all of your pursuits and as many dates as you've been on and as many people that you've 
been with. Has that satisfied you yet? As much money, you promise yourself when you'd have that certain number in the bank and you finally hit that number, all that, all that happens is the numbers continue to increase and your expectations and your goals continue to increase. Has it satisfied you yet? We talk about what the government's going through. Well, it was, it was look at back in the 70s. It was the same. There's always worldwide chaos. But there's one thing that never changes. Christ never changes. His love never changes. In all these years, he still beckons humanity to come. And what we're willing to let go of, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning, what we're willing to let go of determines our proximity to him. That's all I'm trying to communicate this morning. This, the Bible says this, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. Maybe what you're holding on to that gets in the middle of your relationship with the Lord is not sin, but what if it's a weight? Look at somebody and say, let go of that weight. Look at somebody else and say, let go of that weight. You know, you guys are funny. He shares, he shares his secrets with people who he finds trustworthy. Did you know that? When I think about everybody who the Lord could have communicated that he was going to be born, I mean, I can be a little on the selfish side. Sometimes my family knows that I was like the clown of the family. You know, I used to like, I used to, not anymore, like you know, getting the attention of people as a kid. I was a little bit of a, commun a comedian. I know it's, I know you wouldn't think so, but I, but I was. And I like to get attention. And I would make prank, prank phone calls in front of them and put it on speaker, have my whole family laugh, and all 40 or 50 of them, am I telling the truth? Look at them. They're all thinking about certain incidences. They probably have about 100 of them. He says, I'm a stickler now, a sanctified stickler. But think about all the people that God could have revealed, hey, I am coming. I want you all to gather and come. He, does, he didn't do that. He trusted these men. The Bible records no incidents, not from the shepherds nor the magi. It says nothing about how they went and, and gossiped about it and said, an angel of the Lord, if an angel of the Lord showed up to you, how many people would you tell? Some people are like, no, people would think I'm crazy. I'm not going to tell anybody. I probably would be the same way. The Magi, all of their wealth, all of their riches, you would, you would think that type of information would spread like a wildfire. But the Lord knew their heart. They, he knew they could be trustworthy. He, they could be trusted with that type of information. Do you know that God, that's what God is looking for in this hour? Friends who he can trust? That's who he reveals his secrets to. In the ministry and in my personal life, people who are not willing to give up things, certain comforts, certain pleasures, I don't trust them. When you, when you, the way it works in the kingdom, you know there's a language in the kingdom. 
Did you know that? In the kingdom of God, it's, it's a culture. Humanity wouldn't exist without uh, languages. There's someone in here from Japan. There's some people from Tupper Lake, New York. There's some people that are from the Dominican Republic in here, some of my friends in different parts of the world, and some from uh, Puerto Rico, Germany. She's from Germany. All different parts of the world. Well, well the kingdom has a language to it. Did you, did you know that? There's a few different languages God's kingdom has. One of the is it's a giving kingdom, right? It's a giving kingdom. God loves cheerful givers, but it, do, it doesn't stop there. God's best, everybody has a love language. Well, God's kingdom love language is this, trust. And I hate to say it, there's so many men and women of God that I love, but there are pastors that are out there. I love you. There's many that I love, but I wouldn't tell nothing to. Some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because God will only entrust his power and his presence to those whom he's found trustworthy. And we earn his trust. And, and what we're willing to give up, what we're willing to let go of sacrificially, whatever it is, whatever it is, God may be asking something of you this morning. Whatever you're willing to give up will determine your proximity and his level of trust in you. It could be in ministry. It could be with a career. It could be with a certain type of relationship. But mainly, I'm trying to communicate this regarding himself. We have to earn the Lord's trust. We don't earn salvation. You cannot earn salvation. Everybody say it's free. It's absolutely free. You don't have to pay the bill. It was paid on Calvary's cross, but we earn his trust. Amen? Amen. People are the same way. There's many people in this room. You know exactly what I'm talking about. People that you know that can be trusted with certain information, and there's certain people that you know not to share certain information with. Come on. It works like this in the kingdom. Secondly, secondly, these magi, these shepherds got his presence and got the luxury of being a part of Christ's birth because they were willing to be inconvenienced. Man, I can preach on that for, all, for an hour straight. Inconvenienced. We live in a generation that doesn't want to be inconvenienced anymore. Can I just say it? You might, there's some of you who might not come back anyway, so I might as well say it. Somebody said to me recently, they said, um, the freest preacher is the one who earns his own living. So, you know, I have a job, so, you know, I'll survive if you don't come back. Somebody say, pursue his presence. Pursue his presence. Pursue his presence. They were willing to be inconvenienced. Most people determine they're not going to go to church whether or not they feel like it or not. I don't have the energy or I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone, but, but, but I am saying that God only allows proximity if you're willing to be inconvenienced. Did you know that the elementary principles of the gospel, the ABCs of the gospel is inconvenience? I mean, some of the first statements that Jesus made was very inconvenient. Do you know what he said? He said, you can't even follow me if you don't apply the first principle. First, deny yourself. Then take up your cross and follow me. Whoever is not willing to take up his cross daily and follow after me is not worthy to be my disciple. 
this is hard talk, but this is the ABCs of the gospel. Jesus is saying, listen, you can love me, you can pray to me, you will have a place in heaven with me, but not everybody can get close to me. Those who are willing to be inconvenienced, inconvenienced, let's talk about that just for a moment. The Magi had to travel 400 miles approximately, not by day, by night. This would have taken them several days to travel, weeks. It could have taken weeks. And here's the other thing. They can only travel by night. You say, where did you get that, pastor? Well, I'm only assuming because they had to follow the star and stars don't shine at night. In other words, excuse me, stars don't shine during the day. They shine at night, meaning they, had, they could only travel during the evening, which is showing me that God made finding him all that much more complex. He intentionally made it hard for himself to be found. Did, did you see that? He made it difficult on them. He can only be traced at night. In other words, it's like your GPS only working at nighttime. So he didn't want to make it big. And, and here's, it says it in the scripture that God exists and he's surrounded by great clouds and darkness in heaven. This is in the book of Psalms. David describes it. In other words, he enshrouded himself. He hid himself and made it inconvenient. And many times, many of you that are in this room, the only reason that you are not finding the Lord to the degree that you want to find him, that your heart wants to find him, is because you have been pursuing him in a convenient way. Do you know why the presence of God has seemingly lifted off of America? And let me tell you something. God has a plan for America. Do not count America out. There's still a company of people in America who is ready to do battle with the gates of hell by the power of the Holy Spirit that are still willing to honor God and stand up for what's right, who still believes in the sanctity of life and still believes in integrity and still believes in building a nation on the backbone of the scriptures. But God will oftentimes inconvenience you just to see, will you pursue me? So they had to travel by night. There was this evening pursuit. 400 miles. You know, I went up to visit my, my mother-in-law. We were supposed to go the, the week after Christmas. Not sure if it's going to happen, but we're in the, we were in the mountains with her a couple of years ago. And you, you go out on the front porch and all you see is mountains. How many have ever heard of Maggie Valley? It's absolutely beautiful there. I'm a woodsman. I love being in the woods. You put me around a fire and, uh, you know, I'm just that way. Uh, a tent and some s'mores and, you know, some only beef hot dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah. All beef. I'm in my element. But one thing was really funny is that when the lights went out, so I'm looking over all these mountains, all these valleys in Maggie Valley, and night falls, and it looks like a city in the mountains. It looks like a city. Lights everywhere on the mountainside. I said, honey, I had no idea there were houses all over the mountain. The whole mountain looked like the Christmas tree. That's what it looked like, really. A giant, 10-mile-long Christmas tree. This, this, is, this, is, this relates to 
where those magi were at is, is that, that, that sometimes darkness, sometimes hard seasons in your life, that is what causes Christ to shine the brightest. This is the most meaningful as when you pursue him through the, this is what counts. Not how much you can praise him when things are going good and when your bills are paid and everything is going right. This is not the time to praise him and pursue him. When it's time to pursue him in those dark seasons of your life. Psalms 97 verse 2 says, This cloud and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And the people who usually find God like these magi are those people who push through the dark seasons in constant pursuit and say, I'm going to find the Lord no matter what. These are the people that will find the Lord, especially what's happening with the nation. As I'm about to close, even as we, as a nation, we cannot give distance to the Lord in this season. We have to pursue him ever more than we had before because this is what's going to make or break us as a nation. Come on, can you just stand to your feet? We have to pursue him. Pursue him in the dark hour. Somebody say pursue him. Sometimes you have to fight whatever, whatever elements you have to in order to find the Lord. I picture in my mind's eye as I, as I close. I hope this made some type of sense to you, this small little message. God doesn't allow everybody closeness. Because if God just handed us, if he handed us himself, handed us his presence, just w without will, just if he made himself easily accessible, what, what, that, what that causes is slothfulness in the life of the believer. Those who seek me diligently will find me. I have a question this morning. Everybody look at me for just a moment. Are you pursuing him truly? Are you going after him with your whole heart? Doesn't matter if you're in ministry. You can be in ministry and love Jesus and watch YouTube videos and subscribe to all the hot uh, topics of Christianity and not be in love with Jesus. You can, you can be in a love with a message and not be in love with Jesus. You can be, listen to me, thank you, Lord. You can be in love with the way a message makes you feel and not be in love with Jesus. You can be in love with the way you were raised in religion more than you love Jesus. You can be more in love with the way your last church did it and not be in love with Jesus. The person who loves Jesus says this, I'm just glad to be here as long as I can be at his feet doesn't have to look like what I'm used to as long as he's in the room there's this song that comes to my mind give me Jesus you can have all this world 
just give me Jesus. And I pray that, I pray that for every person here, that we would all come to this this place where Christ takes preeminence in every single area of our lives and no matter what it costs to get to him, you would pay the price. No matter the cost, no matter what he asks you to lay down, you'd be willing to pay the price. The Bible talks about the road that leads to life. Jesus said this, and the road to destruction is wide and many go in, many find it, many go in thereby, but but the road that leads to life is straight and is narrow. In other words, the Lord says it's tough, but it's worth it. Catherine Kuhlman said it like this, it costs much, but it is worth the cost. So I challenge every person in this room this morning to pursue Christ this, not just this holiday season, but even this next coming year like never before. And if he asked you for something, if he asked you for something, be quick to give it up. If there's something that he's inconveniencing in your life, let him do his work. If he's moving things, if he's breaking some things off, if there's some relationship shifts, if there's career changes, if there's a little bit of stress in the finances. See, what oftentimes trouble does is it gets our eyes off of the Lord and onto the trouble as if we're the ones to fix it. This is a trap. I preached a message last week called, Keep Your Eye on the Star. That's how the Magi ended up to where Jesus was. They didn't focus on the darkness surrounding them. They focused on the star. Jesus is the bright and morning star. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.